Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good morning, traders and investors. Are you guys ready for another week of pre-market prep? where you get everything you need to get your trading morning started. Today's topics, we'll talk about the White, Ho the White House's plans to curb uh, U.S. shipments for chips. Twitter saying on Monday, whistleblower did not breach its obligations. We'll talk about the Twitter and Elon Musk saga. Bristol Myers coming out with news today. Berkshire Hathaway, Oxy, Goldman, Disney, um, we'll also touch a little bit on J.P. Morgan, Piper Standler's upgrade on struggling Carvana. And, of course, we got our guest today, Tim Quas, founder of Market Structure Edge. Let's dive into pre-market prep. Rise and shine. It's time to start the day. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, team. Let's get it started. Let's bring on the guys here. I got Joel Alconin ready to go. He's excited to talk about the markets like always and another week. And like what I always love about the market is some new things happening this week. We got CPI coming this week. We'll definitely be on investors' eyes as we look to see if the ugly head of inflation is turning around. We'll All right. Good happens. morning. Good Let's morning, uh, uh, Mitch, on this uh, upset uh, Sunday in NFL football here. But this is not a football show. This is a oh, stock I show. It. I All right. I'm going to get into that. All right. <laughs> uh, up 22 handles at 4107.50. Strong day on Friday. Follow through on Monday. Uh, Pre-market high, 4115. If I told you I had a level or daily resistance there, I'd be lying at you. We are now getting in. This is the Powell candle right here. Pow. So we're next up, 4,200. That's a long ways away. Uh, the reason we're up, the dollar's down. The dollar's down almost 69 cents at uh, 104 and a half. All right. TLT is trading up 66 cents at 108.97. Uh, gold, uh, crude, that's in the green by 49 cents at 87.28. Gold in the green, too. Boy, green, everything in the green. Up 14 bucks at 17.42.90. Uh, silver in the mid-19 handle, up 69 cents at 19.46. And Bitcoin continuing on the Scarmucci rally. We are up $980, Scarmucci investment rally. We're up. 22,325. I see Triple D yeah, lurking here. in the background there. And uh, 
Lombardo 151 says, I can't wait for the rant. It'll be a short one. <laughs> what what short does Lombardo know that we already know? <laughs> so, yeah, because I just tweeted out. I'm going to talk oh. about how. So so this segment here brought to you by Dennis Dix P&L here today dun, dun, is dun. called How to Manage a Losing Position or How to Manage Losers. Okay. And the answer is short and sweet. It's easy. You eat them. You don't manage them, you eat them, and you move on. Some days you wake up on a Monday morning, you look at your overnight positions, and you're like, oh, this is going to be a bad day. For me, this is one of those days. So I just so happened to be short Bristol Myers over the weekend. Give us the news here, Money Mitch, because it isn't pretty if you're short this stock. All right, so it's all about uh, what's going on in Bristol-Myers this morning is about, of course, FDA approval for plaque paralysis drug um, from Bristol-Myers. So that's also affecting Amgen. If you guys see Amgen down on that news and Bristol-Myers up on that news, and it's a big jump here in the pre-market for Bristol-Myers. It might be one of the biggest jumps I've ever seen for Bristol-Myers. So to come in and be short that stock, just coincidentally, or maybe not coincidentally, I don't know why I was short. I can't remember. It was from Friday nights. Maybe somebody knew something was bidding it up. But regardless of the point, I can't remember the last day Bristol-Myers was up 7% in one day. And you come in and lose 7% on Bristol-Myers, like, man, that's some bad luck right there. But it is what it is. Maybe there was you know, news coming out that I missed it. Maybe this was expected. I don't think it was. I never saw anything on the calendar for this. So stock up five points here. I was shorted overnight. I've already covered the loss and moved on. And it's now a matter of recovering from this loss. That's how it uh, is. When you said calendar, are you talking about uh, like uh, the FDA calendar or just regular? No, I'm just saying I don't know if there was right. scheduled or anything. I, I'm thinking this is just news. It comes out randomly. Yeah, It was bid up Friday night for some reason because I hit the bed and I shouldn't have shorted into that bid apparently. Some people, sometimes they know something. Maybe this person didn't know anything. But I remember asking about it. Is there news on Bristol-Myers Friday night because it was getting bid up? Right. So sometimes those unsuspecting bits, you shouldn't hit those unsuspecting bits. All right, I'll just, more uh, suspecting. I'll just I'll just talk about the action and uh they took it right up to 76 right on the kisser here. Uh yeah. just under 76 and then they took a couple other pokes at it. So we'll give out, uh, you know, 76 is potential resistance. Um you have three highs back here from uh July in that area. You touched it a couple weeks ago before you came down. So uh, 76, keep an eye on that. That's right there with the pre-market high. Currently trading at 75.19. That's $5.03, 7%. Just a huge move. And on the other end of the stick on this one is Amgen. That's trading down on a little over 20,000 shares. Uh, I'd like to, we'll see 238. Now you traded below that in the pre-market. But I'm looking at this 238, and there's a pair of lows there. So uh, trade it through in the pre-market, see what happens at 238. And then on the upside here, I'm sure a lot of people that are long this would like to see the bottom of yesterday's range. That would be Friday's range at 245.03. So I just want to go back into the lesson once again here because I like it when people can learn from, you know, and this isn't even a mistake. It's just what you do. It's, you know, experience. And there's so many people that will come in and they get their ass kicked on something and then they hold it or they add to it and they start trying to manage the losing position. 
mistake, mistake, mistake. Sometimes they come back. Sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, it'll come back eventually. A lot of times they do. But the times they don't will eat away not only your own trading capital, it eats away your mental capital as well. I start fresh every day. This wasn't a long-term short. It was an overnight short. Just so happened to be probably off of an arbitrage trade. I don't even remember why I'm short the stock. People ask me why. I don't even remember shorting the stock. I have sometimes a 40, 50, 80 positions overnight that I'm trading. It was probably just, I thought it was bid up on no news. I thought the thing was going, you know, and I'm just doing it from an arbitrage perspective. But in any regard here, sometimes you come in and you're going to have a position working against you. If it was an overnight trade or a day trade or something like that, you eat the loss and you move on. You don't try to manage the loser. You don't try to like go and run a hole, you know, okay, we'll do some options or we'll do some other things to try to get the money back. You eat the loss and you move on. That's called discipline. That is how you stay in the game. Don't ever let a small loss become a big loss. It starts as a 7% loss. It's been a long time since I lost 7% on a stock like Bristol-Myers. But you know what? Sometimes bad luck happens. You eat it and you move on. I, th- I think it, it also... Affects... Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, it just like if, if you just keep it, then it's gonna you're going to miss other opportunities. You're not going to be looking. You're just going to keep going back to that BMI, BMY, BMY. And for you, there's a lot of other opportunities here in the pre-market all the way up uh, to the opening Not bell, just for me, so. for everyone. It's you cannot manage. Like when you have one position that's killing you, that just, you know, eats up everything. You've got to just, okay, clean slate. Yeah, I'm going to lose. Bristol Myers is costing me because it was a sizable position. It's costing me about two days of earnings. So, you know, I added up there. I'm fairly consistent. So I'm going back to where I was on my p and my overnight portfolio to about Wednesday, Thursday. I have a lot of other stocks moving against me today too. Just one of those mornings. We just so happen to be on the wrong side of multiple trades here. But you know what? You just take the losses, move on, you start fresh. Sometimes bad luck happens. Every trader, and you know, this is just could be a lesson because it's not a lot of news today. You know, sometimes you just have bad runs. I mean, you can have an edge and they can have a 52% edge. You could have a bad run where there's just so happens that the 52% is not working for you. The casinos have bad runs. The bad runs can happen. As a trader, even if you have an edge, you can still have bad runs. And, you know, this month has actually been, you know, I've had some good days and bad days. But it's been in one of those months that just stuff just isn't working out. And it's not so much that I'm calling the market bad. I'm calling the market very well. Pretty good. Yeah, I'm calling it well. It just so happens that just some luck's not working on your side. There's an aspect of luck. I mean, if you have a 52% edge on any given trade, there's an aspect of luck to that too, you know, on, on any given trade. But as you employ more of the strategy, in the long run, the numbers work themselves out. It's like I say, you know, I have lots of down days. I have lots of bad trades. I haven't had a down month in 22 years in my overnight account. And that's just because I'm employing the edges again and again and again. Is that going to happen? Am I going to have a down month eventually? It could happen. It could happen. But as you you know, employ a statistical edge, quantitative approach, it's more unlikely to happen. And in 22 years, it has happened. It could happen to me. Maybe this is the month. Because I tell you, September hasn't been great for me. But you know, I'm still up on the month. But um, you know, when you lose two, three days of earnings on one stock, you're like, Ugh, that sucks take your losses and move on. Yep. It's a part of doing business, especially overnight business. And uh, one thing that I would say there is uh, there's two questions you should always be asking yourself. Am I changing my time frame uh, thinking in this thought, right? Um, was it a date trade now becoming a swing trade? Was it a swing trade now becoming an investment? This is when a lot of times we start making 
uh, errors in our judgment. Sticking to the original plan, at least, is the way that I like to attack it because at least you're being objective versus being subjective at that moment of worry. Another thing, like uh, Joel, just to wrap up what Joel was talking about, that opportunity cost is important to weigh in, right? Um, there's always an opportunity cost of being stuck in a position versus trying to open a new position and focusing on what you do best, which is getting back towards that edge. Let's get into the macro talk out there. Of course, uh, there's a lot going on. This week is all about CPI, right? What will happen to CPI? Estimates are at 8.1 year over year. Prior was 8.5. Um, we're going to definitely start taking a look to see what happens. You know, we could set up different situations. What happens if we get like a 7.9 number? What happens if we get an 8.3 number, right? Um, where it's just slightly down. Those are the situations that I would start looking at, filling in the kind of situational analysis of what you're going to do when that CPI report hits tomorrow. Um, let's talk also about the Reuters. Uh, Reuters putting out there that the White House has plans to expand curbs on U.S. shipments to China chips using artificial intelligence and chip making tools. According to the report, the Commerce Department aims to publish regulations based on the rule communicated to KLA, LAM Research, and Applied Materials. If you're wondering why those stocks are down today, this is why. Yeah, um, it's an interesting day. Lots of different, you know, headlines like where you, you come in some days and, you know, there's a lot of randomness today. There's like some random stuff out there. You know, we don't have a lot in the earnings calendar. So it wasn't anything scheduled. There was zero or basically earnings scheduled for this morning. We have Oracle tonight. But it's a lot of random news here over the weekend. And, you know, and Europe's having a pretty good morning. So there's a lot of stuff happening here. I don't know this chip stuff here. I mean, this political battle between China and the U.S. is not going away. And it's still a reason that I don't want to be aggressively long in my long-term portfolio right now. You know, short-term, we had a run-up. It was a nice run on S&P, nice run on the SPY. We're getting towards that 410. I think the CPI data could be light. Maybe that takes us even to 420. But I think it could be one of those, like, where you get the CPI tomorrow and then you get the rug pull and, um, you know, get the CPI light. You get the pop and then you get, like, the rug pull a day or two later but you know we'll see what happens uh which stocks lamb research who's being specifically so you got kla lamb research and applied materials but i think this is going to affect all semiconductors because this is what i was pointing to when we got the news from nvidia there wasn't it wasn't that nvidia was the only company that was communicated by the white house about the the new kind of shipment procedures and licensing that are needed to get the chips to China. And I think that this is something that you're going to continue to see more news develop and it's going to cause pressure, cost pressure on these semiconductor stocks. I think this is the news that probably knocks them right back down. Uh, Just what I'm thinking after, you know, of course, seeing how NVIDIA reacted when this news came out. Joel, which one do you want to go to? Lamb, we could talk here. LRCX. LRCX been bouncing back. A lot of things have bounced back here in the last few days. I don't know. I guess you could go. Yeah, it's hard. This is in the middle of nowhere, really. 
Joel's on complete mute, so he's been on mute for like five minutes, and he doesn't realize that he's been trying to talk. He's just been quiet. He's just a quiet. Joel he's just today. quiet in the background. I was trying to carry the show because I was like, Joel. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, then you get mad at me when you hear me uh, if I take a drink of water or coffee. So LRCX, man, spotty trades. Nine thousand shares have traded. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd say 420, but it's not going to 420 today. 420 to 425. So no good level in that one for you. Um, and then we had um, the other one was AMAT, right? AMAT, mm -hmm. spotty trade. I mean, I like, I mean, they're so far away from where I like them. I mean, th this is not getting hit as much. Huh. No. I don't know. I mean, yesterday's low, I guess you still take a look at an AMAT, see if you can hold 95. So AMAT and LRCX. So I'm not, nothing's jumping out at me on these as far as good support. As far as resistance go, um, if you have these on, maybe look at the bottom of the previous, you know, previous day's range or a gap fill. Uh, they're sure not hitting it like they did NVIDIA though, right? Um when the news came out on NVIDIA, they re I mean, there were other factors going on. Um, NVIDIA had a, a streak, and we talk about that, uh, on, I think, at the close of NVIDIA, that streaky stock. that's uh, That's been moving up. Uh, let's trade it up 73 cents. So I guess they got the bad news out of the way uh, for NVIDIA already. Um, you got to get filling that up to 149.59. We'll see if that gap gets filled. I mean, it's going to be definitely something to watch. Um, it's been something that we've been looking at since that bottoming on NVIDIA. Let's go towards Twitter. Twitter news coming in here saying Monday that payments to the whistleblower did not breach any of the obligations under the $44 billion acquisition proposed by Elon Musk after the billionaire sent third letter to call, try to call off the deal. Uh, Twitter's shareholders will vote on Tuesday on whether to approve or reject Musk's takeover bid. Not much to say on this one. I mean, until, you know, you get some resolution. Nice sell-off there down to 38 on, you know, Musk talking about getting out of the deal on the whistleblower. Then, you know, a couple good days in the market. I mean, you know, it's really not affected by the market as much, but... Down 29 cents here. So let's see what happens at um, the close. See if you can get back up and test the close. It was probably pretty close to the high of the day, too. So there's a good level for you. Um, 42.81 is avoiding price. I guess that's when, uh, tr um, not Trump, but Musk started talking about getting out of it. I don't know, man. There's the shareholders, they're going to approve it. I mean, stocks at 42, the deal's at 54. So they'd be crazy not to. Will be something that we'll keep watch. Of course, uh, the whistleblower tried to be, they tried to bring him in to say that uh, the payment to the whistleblower uh, breached the obligation. And then, of course, also Twitter is battling uh, back on, of course, the bot situation, as they said that this was already known before the deal. And it's looking like, at least from what everything that I see, um, Musk's lawyers are trying everything, but nothing seems to have been sticking. All right, let's keep going. Let's get out of Twitter talk. Let's go to uh, Berkshire Hathaway. All right, as they are uh, raising the pass, passive share stake in Occidental Petroleum from 21.6% to 26.8% as of August 31st. 
Uh, Berkshire indicated its stake of the energy producer had increased with the purchase of 6.68 million shares. Also, Piper Sanders uh, maintaining overweight on Oxy and lowering the price target to 92. I added this one to the long-term portfolio um, just on Friday morning. So obviously the Berkshire stake from Friday night, that's, you know, I kind of expected. I mean, sometimes it's money to be made in news anticipation. And I was expecting as Oxy's pulled back substantially, we know he raised, you know, that he was looking, you know, that he could go up to owning as much as 50% of the company. So you knew he was probably going to be buying this pullback. I still think he could end up buying the whole company. So I was saying if there's an oil stock I want to own, this is the one. This is pulled back substantially out the lows. I think it's given you a decent entry if you want to be in oil stocks. Yeah, Warren stepping up here. Just a 64 area, just above a couple lows from late August. I don't – this is the one where the 4MED traders got a little excited there. They took it up to 67.90, and now you backed off a buck 30, buck 20. So I think you might have to find an intermediate level – Ahead of that, uh, I'd like to look at the close um, on the day where it had the bad day. That's 66.88. That's where we're at right now. I don't, so above that, if you could establish a bid over that, maybe you take a look at the pre market high. That's way up there, just under 68. No daily highs really to speak of until you get up to uh, your four day high is 69.51. Don't, don't see that in the cards today. Uh, I'd support, I mean, as far as, you know, the gap and up, if you are shorting this thing out of the box, you're looking for it to come in the top of yesterday's range, three days in a row, you topped out right at 66. So look at that as potential support for Occidental Petroleum. S&Ps are leaking just a little bit, uh, trying to stay in the 4,100 handle. Not much up here uh, compared to yesterday, you know, Compared to Friday's range, the top of Friday's range is uh, 40.95. That was also your weekly high. So that would be, if you're a day or, you know, intraday trader, that would be a gap fill. So potential support at 40.95. Can we check out the futures market for oil? I just wanted to take a quick look at it with this. Also, uh, I've been trying to keep a track on it. It looks to me like we just settled in on a range from 120 to 80 now. At least from what I've been looking at, one twenty to eighty. Well, where, where are you coming up with one twenty? We 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 went up there once or twice, and we haven't even come near it. Well, I'm just talking about the the range from the top to the to the bottom, so so from the peak to the trough. Okay. Okay. And so They're just me, saying what the high was. Yeah, that's the high okay. to the low, and now I'm looking at okay, so maybe do we get a fifty percent move back towards one hundred? I can see I, it play. I think it's it's hard to say. I mean, I think oil, as much as it was overbought, is starting to get to the point of being somewhat oversold. At least, you know, the oil stocks, some of them have held up a little bit better. Better. So I, yeah. I don't know. Like, if we go into, you know, the Taiwan-China situation is a whole wild card, too. I mean, so obviously we still have, you know, a supply. We still have supply issues here. The only thing is the oil, what I've been arguing is that I think we're going to a recession. So that kills demand for a lot of things. So that's why overall I've had an underweight in oil. Like just I've been underweighted, which has been wrong. At least, you know, it was till June when the oil started selling off. But I'm just thinking at this point in time, it's some of these oil stocks pulled back enough that I think is an opportunity. Not that, you know, I'm jumping in, but, you know, an Oxy, for instance, with Buffett behind me, I kind of like that one. 
Uh, right now, just speaking very short term here, over the last four sessions, uh, you had a high on the 7th at 87.76. Uh, today's high is 87.75. You're still up there. So I look for another leg higher. Uh, if you could take that out, maybe closer to 90. Uh, but at the complexion of this chart has changed so much since the second time it went up to 120. I mean, you got to look at that, you know, when you're looking at the monthly, I mean, these are lower highs on the monthly by a substantial margin. So, I don't know, you got a double bottom there right now. You can call the bottom at 8120, 8150, but we've been calling a lot, lot of double bottoms here and then it has a faux rally and then comes right back down. As far as like like the supply and stuff, I don't, whatever statistics, whatever people want to cite, whatever OPEC says, they're pumping. There's no reason not to be just pumping it out as much as you can, as much as you can under the table at these prices. And also, you know, the contango versus the backwardation. I mean, when that flips, I'll flip. But uh, long term, I I mean, one. Uh, 120. I mean, if you're if you're holding that out, I don't know what's target, the, the case. I guess if we just go into this roaring expansion, like you know, you think we're <laughs> you know the V bottom. I'm no, well, don't, we're just trying to you know give the bull case. I don't see like the bull case to get us back to the 120. I don't see the bull case. I think Mitch is right. You could get maybe get to the hundred, you yeah, know, and yeah, you could yeah. retrace a bit. Mm-hmm. But to just go and think like, yeah, it's back to business as usual. Everybody's going to be rah, rah, spending, spending, spending. I just don't see that case. So if I'm not bullish the overall market, it's hard to just say, well, yeah, oil's going to go to new all-time highs too. I mean, it kind of does track to a certain extent. We've had this market that there's been a negative correlation between oil and the equity markets. It's not normal though. You know, normalized markets, I mean, if you're in a recession, people are spending less everywhere, you know, and that's including, you know, obviously oil and gas. So I just, I've still got the opinion that this rally that we recently had that we called perfectly on this show, by the way, um, I think this is the get ahead of the CPI. Everybody's pretty confident it's going to be light. I think it's going to be light too. There could be a little bit of follow through afterwards, but I think that's going to be another opportunity to raise cash because I just don't think we're just going back to you know 2% inflation and the Fed's going to get less aggressive and it's going to be back to business as usual. I think this could be a prolonged, uh, like where people are saying soft landing or saying, you know, if we do get a recession, it can be a short one. I'm not of that opinion. I think it could be a lot longer than people think. All right, let's keep going. Let's get out of the oil talk. Let's get into Goldman Sachs. Uh, so Goldman uh, loss rate on their credit card loans is the worst among the big U.S. card issuers. Uh, Goldman's Apple card is really where it comes into question. Uh, but Goldman's 2.93% net charge-off rate is double the 1.47 rate from J.P. Morgan's card business and higher than Bank of America's one6 Uh, More than a quarter of Goldman's card loans have gone to customers with FICO scores below 660, and this could expose the bank to higher loss if the economy experiences a downturn. It's a tough one. These are all tough charts because, you know, you want to say, oh, and people say, oh, you're negative all the time. No, we're just realistic, and we weren't negative last week. Um, You've had a, a, a nice bounce back. I mean, it's hard to just come in and think, yeah, Goldman, you know, is going to rip higher here. Valuation's always been cheap. You can take it from a valuation perspective. It's been a nice three-day run. I mean, stocks up 20 points in three days. It's been a pretty good run. 
I do think if I'm long stuff, I think I'm, you know, holding at least, I, I think I'm still, you know, maybe you're taking some profits if you bought like two days ago, just so you don't have to risk going through the CPI. But I mean, all these charts, everything just matters on the CPI, Joel. I mean, it's pretty much everything. Tomorrow morning, the whole story of everything changes. So you can trade things technically for a day here, but it's all going to matter on whether that CPI is, you know, lighter than expected or not. And everybody kind of knows it's going to be light. So it's not going to be good enough that it's just slightly light. It needs to be light. So, you know, and if it comes in hot, forget it. You're going right back down to the lows. I don't think that's going to happen, though. I think it is going to be light. I think you might see a little bit of follow through in some of these stocks. I think you're looking, you know, afterwards to lighten up, though, into any type of pop. Did did they did it get it too big of a front run though before? That's the what I'm though. concerned about too. We called it perfectly, and I mean, yeah, it looks like a good front run. And I mean, the four ten is right there. The number that you you called out, Dennis. How much further could we go? We've kind of done exactly what we thought we would do. So it's almost prudent to say, hey, you know, maybe this is you know prudent just to take some profits no. into this if you're sitting on the swing longs. And you know, I've got a couple that have been done very well. You know, from from last week, obviously. I think I think it's prudent to maybe lighten up some into it. I do think the number is going to be light, though, and I do think you can get another pop initially off it. So that's why if you really want to go for it, you get that light number, and then you get that another pop, and then we're up there for maybe a day, and then it starts to leak, and then Powell says something, and pow goes the market again. Kind of what I think is going to play we're out. But... Now. We're leaking now. We're getting some profit yeah, takers think... coming in as we speak we here. We're back on. Some... Under four, do we got some, any news? News me? Do we have anything out nothing, there? Nothing out there right now. Just uh, I think it's going to be a, lo- a little bit of worrying going into the CPI. And I think that a lot of people, you know, we're running into this number now. The question is, you know, we've had what now a three day winning streak. Will we get a fourth? Um, and that's what we need to start watching. Or will we get a move right back, you know, near 405? I think that kind of makes more sense as a move back down closer towards 405. And then the CPI can push us right back to 410. So we'll, we'll see what happens today. It's going to be a tough one after a three-day win streak in the overall market. All right, let's keep going towards the next news. We're going to talk about Disney here and also news coming out of their D23 Expo. So first up news is the Third Point Hedge news, which activist investor Third Point Hedge fund manager Dan Loeb indicated in a tweet that he no longer is pushing Disney to spin off ESPN. Looks like he talked with the board and not going towards that direction anymore. Now, uh, releases from the D23 Expo Blue Sky Project um, is something to keep in mind. This is an area behind Blue uh, Big Thunder Mountain at Magic Kingdom in Orlando, Florida. Um, there's kind of mentions of new character meet and greets. Uh, the company has said it's been able to bring back in-park experiences such as character meet and greets, the radical performances, nighttime events um, that has allowed it to increase capacity at its park. CEO Bob Chaikin said at the time. Hmm. Fill the gap from earnings. Disney. And now I'd like of all the charts that we've looked at this morning, now they've all been kind of like, looking at them and nothing's jumping out at me, but that that's not for Disney here. got a good handle on this one. You had to hire the move, right? Earnings. They bought it after earnings and then the volume dried up for buyers. You had to dump. You came back down. You filled the gap nicely. All right. And now what's important for Disney as well as for the market is let's get back up to these like two, three highs, like right at 117 and a half, 118. 
because that's halfway back of this move. So if it gets up there, has a sustained bid, then yeah, let's go back to 125. I'm just worried, you know, man, people, some people that didn't get out, you know, when the getting out was good, they're going to be reevaluating here. So I see room up to 117 and three quarters, 118, but getting back above that, holding that, I think you need a strong market. Uh, so that's what I'm taking a look at in the house of mouse. Dennis, I know you've been trading or have this in your long term. Yeah, I'm long a small piece. I sold three quarters of the position when it got the run. I want a 122, I think, in the majority of the yeah, stock I remember. that I got out of. Yep. I think you get back to 120. I think you're still selling it. I love the company. I think the valuation has become reasonable. I think Disney Plus is going to be a huge money maker for them in the long run. I think they're going to be a big part of the metaverse, but we're going into a recession, in, in my opinion, and it's not definitely not a recession-proof stock. So I think you're going to get it cheaper. That's Sorry about that. I had the house mute mouse. there. All right, that's the house of mouse there. And now I did want to talk a little bit about um, there's nothing that we have, you know, confirmed, but of course, uh, the railroads and labor unions are working through kind of the situation here to avoid a strike. So, uh, of course, today you guys can keep on watch some of these uh, kind of train stocks. Uh, CSX is one definitely to keep on watch. How this will affect the price is something that I, I, it's a little bit bigger than I will take a look at it, but um, it could affect, of course, uh, the money, right? Uh, it could affect $2 billion a day. That's what they're saying if it does get into the strike. All kinds of ratings on the on the railroads today. Canadian Pacific upgraded at Bank of America. I believe CNI, if I thought saw correctly, I believe they had yep. a rating as, as well. UNP, I believe, catching an upgrade. So a lot of ratings here, which are affecting these things more than anything. I mean, it, and news is you know that's something that I've specialized in trading for a long time. So I'm very good at understanding what moves stocks and what doesn't move stocks. And ratings are just simple. I mean, ratings always move stocks. It's simple. The algorithms can simply do it. You start getting the strikes. You start getting you know different things that not that doesn't move stocks typically more because the algos don't even know how to program that crap in. So, and the algos still drive price in the short run here. You know, they're all over every headline there. So when you see like you know a headline, oh well, strike might get averted or this or you know it, that stuff typically isn't real market influential. Rating is. It's because it's simple. And if you look this morning, CNI with the upgrade, trading up 2.5% here. UNP. Am I right with UNP? I believe it was upgrade. I'm going for my memory this morning. I think I saw it go by UNP. Yeah, UNP, Bank of America upgrading them as well to buy. So all these stocks catching a bit here this morning. The charts, you know, you get back up. You're getting back half the losses. So it's been a nice move in a lot of things. It's hard to be a buyer here on all these stocks ahead of the CPI because what if it doesn't come in light? And what if, you know, the expectations, what if we've already had the pre-run? I mean, we've had a good run here, you know, just giving it back to perspective. And it's all about market talk here today because it's the only thing that matters is CPI. It's the only thing that matters. Individual stock stories don't matter here as much come tomorrow. It's about the CPI. We've rallied 200 S&P points, Joel, here in a matter of three days, four days. It's been a good move. As far as I, I won't go into individual technicals on, on these, but like with these analyst ratings, you know, a lot of times they're a good fade opportunity and you'll find out pretty close off the open. You know, this, uh, I look at it, the UMP up three and a half bucks, you know, on, on, you know, 4,000 shares, not seeing any daily levels here, but uh, a lot of times, you know, that open, you know, like people say, oh man, 
What a gift. I came in long this and now they're upgrading it. My, my target's 235. Boom, I'm out. So um, maybe a Goldman, a big Goldman rating or something. But I think overall, I think the edge over the long run is kind of kind of fading some of these big moves or at least using them to your advantage, right? If you're not necessarily saying short to stock, but hey, if you're long, like just like Dennis caught some bad luck on the BMI. It's just kind of luck that, that if you're long these railroads and someone comes in and gives an upgrade. So. Uh, oh yeah, ratings are pure, you know, luck. And sometimes luck. you just take it and move, you know, take the gain and move on. Ratings can work either way. So it's it's a lot of luck factor involved. And you can anticipate some ratings. I mean, a lot of times I do the anticipation trade where you got a big earnings report, it's a good one, then you get the upgrades all, you know, the next day, you know, it's because they all chase price. So you can anticipate them to a certain extent. But a lot of a lot of the, the trading, and people don't want to hear that, but a lot of it on the day-to-day luck. stuff is luck. In the long run, it's more your your edge that is going to dictate your success. But on any day to day, there's a lot of luck involved. All right, let's, let's see what Tim ahead. has to say. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We missed out on last Monday, so I know that everybody's asking, "Where is the market structure Mondays?" Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. All right, let's bring on Tim Quas. Welcome back. We got the dance moves and we're ready to go. Looks like you got the better shirt than all of us, though, I got to say. He's dressed to impress. I'm still on island time. <clears throat> Looking like Jimi <laughs> Hendrix over here. I like it. I like the shirt. <laughs> it, it, hey, good to see you guys. And uh, Market Structure Monday is, is right where it belongs, which is on Benzing and pre-market prep. So uh, good to see you all. And yes, I'm still, it, I, it, while I returned from uh, Maui yesterday morning, I'm clinging to the past in my garb today. Yes. <laughs> I can't hate on that one. It's the you know it's the only place where you could get away with wearing stuff like this, right? It's this is I drag this stuff out when I'm in the islands. Beautiful. Well, you're a rock star, Tim. Now give us the rock star charts. What are we seeing out there? What what should we look at? (laughs) You could 
you could probably tell that I was eating like a rock star because uh, <laughs> you know I put on about seven pounds on that trip. No, <clears throat> I'm going to have to have to give up the uh, Maui brewing brews and uh, return to salads and iced tea. Huh. Uh, but uh, yeah, so so I, I I heard part of what you were talking about, and Joel, you had mentioned uh, that it's a that it's a in our notes that we traded that it's a quad witch. But if we just you know, so, so we'll 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 definitely want to talk about that. Uh, again, I go back to the way we think about the market isn't uh, headlines. You know, the trouble with headlines is you have no idea whether there is underlying support in a stock or in the market to reflect headlines. And that's, you know, I think it's very difficult to chain, to trade prices. It's much easier to trade supply and demand, which I did from Maui. I mean, I, w- it had, a, I had a great week and I didn't have to do much, did it all on my phone. Uh, and it's by, by just using supply and demand. So that, to answer your question, Mitch, if you say, well, where is the market? My first uh, response to, to that will be, well, where is supply and demand? And uh, uh, if you like, we can look at that. For those who, of are, course. who, are, who, are, who are used to seeing this, you know, we're gonna do, I always look at two charts, supply and demand. Uh, supply is short volume. It's the, uh, the, the, the amount of trading volume that comes from shares that are either borrowed, it's all borrowed, but a major part of that is manufactured liquidity from market makers. They're borrowing it too. Uh, and then demand, the way we think about it, is an algorithm that looks at the different purposes and time horizons that drive buying and selling in stock. So investors and traders don't all have the same purpose. So that's, I will look at that every day. You know, the first thing that I do every day is look at broad market sentiment. Notice that it's 2.5. Well, historically, the market trades around five and a half. If it's a 10-point scale. So the more time that stocks spend above five, the better they tend to do. Five and a half would be what I would call a very good GARP, growth at a reasonable price uh, sort of market. Uh, the more time they spend below five, the worse things tend to go. But when the market drops below a certain level, you know that the probability that prices rise increases significantly. So on my screen here, uh, just looking at the period from June 9, which picks up all of the gains in the market to present, this is through Friday, the top graph is demand. So this green thing is just going to meter the, what investors and traders are doing. And uh, most of the time, it's between the red and green lines. That on average, when it's above the red line, greater risk that there will be declines ahead. When it drops below the green line, greater probability of gains. And it's very consistently true. It's look, it's math, it's quantitative. But the reason that that works is because that's how the market functions. A great deal of what occurs in the market is quantitative. So if you want to understand the market, you'll have to incorporate that math. Uh, so when the market dropped below, here's the, this, uh, by the way, is SPY, price of uh, the S&P 500 is represented by the oldest and largest exchange traded fund from State Street. So here's what the market did. We've got this very nice recovery once the demand side dropped below four, dropped below the, the green line. I now, now know that I have a much better probability of making gains. Even stocks that have declined, if I have positions in stocks that have declined, I will wait longer to get rid of them because I know mathematically there's a probability of gains. 
Now look at the supply side. Uh, the supply side again is, is short volume. I'm going to zoom out a little bit here. So here's the supply side. We, we have hit record levels of supply. Never before has the whole market been over 50% short. Now the good news is it ticked down a little bit on Friday. This will chop block the market unless it comes down. The gains that we had off of June lows in very large part came from falling supply. See the supply line falling wow. all the way down here. This was a key reason that the gray part of the graph rose all the way to here and the market stage of this remarkable recovery. It reached its zenith. The recovery reached its zenith when supply reached its nadir, <laughs> they're exact opposites. So the market has recovered as expected. I, I had a, you know, I, I, I traded Meta, META, Facebook, uh, WEC, uh, Wisconsin Electric, Celsius, CELH, uh, all things that I traded in the last week and did very well on. Uh, I had a very good week. And, and, uh, and it's because I know that we're going to have a short-term run. But a good rule of thumb is that unless the supply side reverts to the trend, the likelihood that this is, uh, is sustained is not going to be anywhere near what it was when uh, the supply side fell all the way from June to August. So I think this is a period where it's very challenging for traders. And it's got nothing to do with fundamentals, folks. It doesn't matter what interest rates are. It doesn't matter if inflation is coming down. A great deal of money simply says, well, this stuff is oversold and that stuff's overbought and let's shift it. And that will cause the market to do things that people misinterpret as some kind of fundamental driver. But I remain concerned about this. I'll say again, this is what we're telling all the edge users to watch. And we will highlight things that we would say, these are the right kinds of supply demand balances, but this is dangerous. It's why I sold all my positions Friday. I don't even want to wait over a weekend. I can buy them again today, <laughs> but I can't get it back what I lost if, they, if I give up all the gains. I would rather take the gains, take gains, not chances, than stay in the market under these conditions, even though I think we will see gains, further gains yet in the market. Um, real quick question, just Tim, if you could say kind of quickly, a quick explanation for me. What should we think about when we see a broad sentiment divergence from the price there? So you see a broad sentiment coming down, but the spy still coming up. Yeah, well, it tells us that the market is at the, 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 the reason stocks have recovered is because they were so over, oversold that any little increase in demand can cause prices to go up. But you're right. The fact that the demand side hasn't even turned yet and we have all these gains, is, it's, it's difficult, it's challenging. The, that can be nothing more than new month, new money. We talk about that. That is, As uh, a new month begins, there will be steady inflows. We're st I still make contributions to my long-term portfolios that will have to get deployed. Uh, I've changed them some. So that effect can cause the market to rise simply because we're at a bottom. So you put something to work and it will cause prices to rise. It will cause, it's interesting that the broad measures have risen, but the market itself has been pretty mixed. And you could really see that in the data. And then the consequence of that can be that we suddenly, it suddenly vanishes. I'm not saying that will happen, but it is a risk here. So everyone selling a rip is what you're saying here.
that we've had a we've had a nice bounce, and people are are there's still you know besides the rally, there's still preponderance of of people willing to sell in the strength here as opposed to weakness, right? They're taking the opportunity when there's yep. strength in the market to sell in the strength, and I think that's a you know one thing that you know you have to keep in mind is when. You know, like we had we had the big moves off the low uh, last week, and that you know the indexes and stuff. Then we, when you once you get far enough away from the low, then people are like, okay, uh, I I gotta buy the pullback, right? And now we're seeing the the opposite on the upside here, right? We're having a nice run. We don't have a you know a good stickling point here. You could still sell on strength today. So is that the scenario you're setting up? That uh, you know this the you know, the preponderance of, uh, of people are just selling the rip here as opposed to reloading here and looking for another leg higher. Uh, you know, Joel, I, I don't know what will motivate other people. Well, you I knew when we came down, know. when there was a reading down there, you knew that we were going up. So, yes. right. so you, you know when we're going up, then you got to know when we're going down. I, I like to think of it this way. And I'll, I'll answer with by looking at meta. So... Here's, you know, why did I buy Meta? Well, demand was right, and I didn't hold it long. So okay. In two, three days. So here, the green part's rising, and it's at five. That's, so that's, a, that's what I call a big and stable stock. The supply side fell, but it ticked up Friday. So when I looked at that data, that, that I'm going to leave. It doesn't take much. That, those conditions tell me you could continue to make money in Facebook and Meta. Uh, because this is the supply side is still below trend, but that's the principle I look at. The whole thing that I care about is diverging supply and demand. I know in the broad market, when when the market drops below a certain level, it is very historically true that the market recovers. And you can go look at this. I'll just back up three years, and we'll uh, I'll just we've done this before. Uh, you can look at the points in time where on the demand side, the green part of the graph drops below the green line, almost always stocks recover and so that's where it is now so i know the odds are in our favor but i also know that when the supply side is very high like it was here a dip like this can be can very quickly deteriorate into another turn lower so that's why i'm much more careful when when the supply side is high i hope that makes sense supply and demand are basic economic principles when there is more demand than supply prices rise when, when prices recover and supply remains high, there is a very high probability that the stickiness of those prices is, is lousy. And so I don't know, you know, I don't think that that's necessarily what people think about, Joel. I think that, you know, you've got fundamental folks concerned about the fact that, that analysts are reducing their uh, expectations for earnings growth. I saw somebody on CNBC this morning say uh, that they could be cut to zero. Well, how could the market be higher if there's zero growth? Again, fundamentals are only one input into the market, and they don't determine all the outcomes. But uh, that's I think that causes people, Joel, to be sellers of the rip, so to speak. I, you know, again, I bring a different perspective to to how to think about those things. I just come back to supply and demand by rising demand, diverging supply and demand, and sell it as soon as any of those conditions change. Because if you repeat that. That is the thing that works best to produce gains and avoid losses. That's all I'm concerned about. Can you just explain how you calculate that supply again, Tim, especially to people who know who have maybe are newer to the show? I know you've explained this on the show in the past, but can you just explain yeah. how you calculate that? 
So it may, oversimplifying, we think about the market as, as having four key motivations. There are, there are a bunch of machines and people who trade price. Uh, so, so it's half the market. That's a motivation. There are people who buy and sell story. What, what a business is doing. Why is this company better than that one? Why is uh, NVIDIA a great long-term buy and hold stock? Then there are third passive investors who use a model to say we're going to allocate a certain amount of resources to this or that or 200 different factors in a factor model. All of that is model-driven money. And fourth are derivatives. So price, story, you could say passive is characteristics, and derivatives all affect price and affect how the market behaves. So we have a, an algorithm that takes that, that into account. Plus, it takes into account how trades are executed today. The market is 100% electronic, over 97% algorithmic. Even you, retail traders, when you hit a button to buy and sell, most of the time that's going to be an algorithm that executes the trade for you. And those are mathematical things. A whole series of events will unfold. Well, that is all mathematically, mathematically measurable. So we turn that into a, a, an algorithm that we call sentiment, and that is demand. And that's what we're doing. We, we uh, incorporate how those things are evolving over time and affecting prices. You don't have to worry about all that. Uh, the, but we've been doing this for, I have, for 20 years. And so it, uh, we've kept up with the way that the rules change. And it makes it very simple to think about the market as supply and demand. And here's a great illustration, right? Look at Benzinga, September 12th. I've got demand of five falling supply. That's the stuff I like right now. I would rather buy uh, supply deficiencies than demand excess because I don't trust the broad market right now. Is there any stock that would fall along these lines with the uh, short volume coming down, sentiment coming up? Yeah, I mean, right now, these are things that, that to me, the math gives support to. Now, realize they're not sexy. I'm not going to make 5 or 6% like a, like a meta, and we track that. Most of the time, volatility is a very good indication of the amount of return you could expect. But Eversource, which is a utility, uh, Philip Morris, I mean, cigarettes do well in this kind of environment. Philip Morris and Altria are both in there. Uh, Elevance, which is a healthcare company. These are all things that to me you could make 2% on. So how I look at this is if they're down 1.5%, there's a very high probability if I buy that, and then they, they hit the, the maybe the next day, the full extent of their intraday move from highest to lowest, that's what volatility is, I can make 3%. Well, I'm very happy with that. If you can make 3% on your portfolio consistently, you will be very wealthy. That is a fact. It's far superior to buying and holding. I was a friend of mine who's, who's got a big tech long-term investment. He's down 25% uh, this year. And there are a lot of people in that boat because the sure. NASDAQ is down 25%. Yeah. Well, I'd miss all of that. I don't hold the declines. I only buy the gains. And, and so I can be up in the same things that he is down 25% by simply shortening my timeframes. I don't love that. I don't love the way that the market works, but it is a fact that that's the way it works and you have to use it to your advantage. I like it. I like it. One of these was actually on my radar today at ELV. So uh, definitely going to go ahead and check it on out. I like the chart pattern and getting some uh, data to back up my uh, patterns is something that I definitely look for. So 
Here you guys have it. Definitely go ahead and check out Market Structure Edge for yourself, guys. If you guys want to follow along with this data, all you got to do is just go to the website. You don't even need a credit card to check it on out. Exactly. And we're, that's, we're working on that 30-day trial. So if, And you can just ask me. It takes time. It ta there are so many connected uh, items related to it. Uh, that it takes a while. So it's still a 14-day trial, but you can just send me a note and we'll extend you. Well, like Joel said, aloha on out there and, and, and enjoy your week back. And we all love the shirt, so have a good one, Tim. We'll definitely have Thanks, you man. back on. Mahalo. Aloha. Mahalo. There you go. I love it. <laughs> all right, let's keep on going out there in the market. Are we still leaking, Joel? No, we got a pop, came back mid-range on the session, and then uh, just a little pop back up. Um, I think you made a good point about, you know, the three-day win streak, right? These markets yeah. are streaky. So we got a good lead. We're up streaky. 17 and a half handles, and there's really, like, it, if if you go to your dailies, um, and whether it's the S&P or the spies, I'm just thinking, you know, when uh, Jerome, this is the Jerome Powell pain candle, right, right mm -hmm. here. I mean, he couldn't have had the, the next uh, the next month's data by then, right? I mean, <laughs> he just seems not. to keep, you know, <laughs> he seems like to be too hawkish or too dovish, you know? It always seems to be, you know, at one, I mean, he they was definitely. extremes. Yeah, they dovish extremes. for too long. Then he gets all hawkish and. We'll I think we'll this, is the, this is how the Fed works, kind of, at least from what I've seen in my short time in the investment, uh, kind of in, in, you know, finance. I've always seen the Fed play extremes to both sides. So I still think they're still playing the extreme there's, to kind of raise some rates. There's just a big difference in this Fed from what we saw for the last 10 years. And the difference mm -hmm. is, is that this Fed came to defend the market for the last decade. Every time we pull back, you had the Powell put. They were defending the market. They were doing more quantitative easing. You know, they were even going to lower rates, which they did for a long time. It's the opposite now. And that's what people aren't understanding is, you know, if you just think it's both thesis that we just go back to all-time highs and everything is just, you know, rainbows and teddy bears here again, it's not what Powell is telling us. We're not listening to him. Don't fight the Fed was the motto for the last 10 years because the Fed was pushing asset prices higher. They are intentionally trying to push asset prices lower now. So we get a rally. Powell's going to try to pop it. He is what he's done last time. So, you know, yeah, he didn't pop it on, you know, last week. But if we get the CPI data and it comes in light and we start ripper and higher again, that's not adding up to inflation all of a sudden going away just because we get a lighter data point. He's going to then say, well, we're still, you know, staying the course here. Even if we come in, you know, low eights or with a seven on it, it's still a difference. So I think it's just a hard scenario to just come in here, rah, rah, bull it up because you're fighting Powell. Don't fight the Fed. The Fed is on the opposite side this time. First time in a decade. We'll have to keep watch to see what happens there. I mean, today is going to be all dependent on seeing if we can continue the run before the CPI comes out, or will they try to, you know, just sell into that before we get the data? Um, I, I don't it's know. It's coming today. tomorrow. They've bought it all the way up, so we could maybe have a little bit of profit taking ahead of it, Mitch, today. But mm -hmm. we've already had the run, so I agree. Exactly. I think if you were we bought three days ago and we were talking about this pre-run, we got it. You know, we got it. You know, maybe you don't gamble and just hold it through it. If you feel like gambling, I kind of feel like gambling a bit, um, you know, on some of these longs because I feel like it's going to be light and I feel like you get another pop afterwards. But 
The rally is a little long in the tooth here. People don't want to hear that. They see their stocks down significantly. They don't want to hear that, you know, all of a sudden we're overbought. But as much as we were oversold four days ago, we came overbought very quickly. 200 points in three days is a hell of a move for the SPY or for the S&P. Sure is. And uh, and I think what uh, Tim, you know, alluded to is that, you know, we have, we've had the rally, but he's still seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of supply out there. Like people aren't, aren't, aren't backing down. So I think that, uh, I think that was an important point from him. Uh, I'm going to bug out here in a second, uh, at three o'clock, uh, Dennis and I are going to do a Twitter space. We were invited by Christian Fromhertz, uh, to talk about the CPI data and what we're looking at. We'll talk some technicals there. So it's, um, it's out there on Christian's Twitter. We'll, we'll tweet it out later. I'll tweet it out too. Yeah. So we're going to join. I don't usually come on at three o'clock, but we're going to come on and preview CPI, talk about what's happening today. A lot of information is obviously going to change after the open here today. So We'll talk about that at three o'clock on Twitter with Christian Fromhertz. One of my favorite follows is uh, probably the only person that I watch recaps on a daily basis. So that should give Christian's you guys great. a little bit of insight. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Check we get asked to speak on a lot of shows and, you know, obviously I always, Jeremy wants something. Jeremy Newsom, we're good friends with him. Christian, the same thing, you know, Christian asked us to speak. I jumped for Christian because he's been on our show coming on for five years. I learn a lot from Christian. I like to just speaking with him because I learn from him. You know, and it's a sweet spot too with Christian because I'm very short term. I'm also a little bit on the long end. He's like in the middle. So I'm like, I learn about that. He's like, a, he's a very good swing trader, you know, yeah. and, and I do very good short term trading. I think I'm an okay investor. I think I'm okay at swing trading, but I think I can improve my swing trading. So, you know, I love listening to Christian because I learn from him. Yeah, one of the major things Christian that I would Roberts. say about Christian is that, and the reason why I follow him is I. I feel I trade very similar to him trying to follow with the rotation, focus on understanding where the money's flowing and what setups coexist with that flow. You'll see that a lot in his recap. He's always going through the sectors, what was hot today, where's the relative strength, and then going through those charts to find the good looking ones to then get yourself into higher probability trade. Have a good one, Dennis. Take care. And okay, we'll see guys. you a little bit later. Don't yeah. forget, guys, the Twitter space for 3 p.m. Eastern with, of course, Christian Fromhertz. If you guys want him, uh, want to check that on out, I'm going to actually help these guys on out a little bit here. Uh, I know Christian very well. So let me make sure that you guys have his Twitter here uh, to definitely find that Twitter stream later today. Uh, that's going to be a Twitter space here. So I got you guys here. Here's the link. I'm throwing it in the chat so you guys can just click on it. Give him a follow. Let him know where you guys came from, from Benzinga, and how good of a follow he is. I will tell you guys, there's not many traders that I watch their recaps. It's the reason why I do it. Check it on out, guys. All right, I'll see you guys next time. Hit the like on your way on out and come on over to live trading stream as Zunaid and I look to continue going and cashing in. Best trade on the competition account last week was SEDG, over 15% winner in a week. So let's go ahead. Let's see what we can pull up our sleeves this week and we'll see if Oxy can get moving. That's the one I had overnight. We'll find on out how it's working. For the 
ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.